what up this is alternate take i am your host danny rodriguez welcome back to the show on this episode we dove deep into mma man and we did it with a two-part interview that's right now i will admit it's mostly a two-part interview because well your boy was crunched for time on both interviews so i thought why not just you know join the two and uh make it as fun as i can man so that's what we did um so the first guy we interviewed was ufc striking coach out of extreme couture mma eddie baracco eddie's been a friend of mine for the last year or so ever since we started interviewing people from that gym like eric nixick and dewey cooper and hopefully more people but uh eddie's been a supporter and a good friend ever since man so it was really good to interview him and uh, get his perspective on things and congratulate him on, the, on his last fights that he just had at ufc 279 so uh, I'm excited for you guys to hear that. On our second interview, we brought you guys UFC fighter Matt Steamroller Frovola. And the dude's an absolute savage, man. I saw him fight at UFC 270 in Anaheim, and it was just bananas, dude. Uh, so I had to get him on the show, man. I had to get his thoughts on things. And, just, you know, he's going to fight soon in November. It, it was just cool to fucking talk to the guy and uh, get to know him a little bit, man. So... That's what we did, dude. We did a two-part interview, man, and I hope you guys enjoy both of them. So, without further ado, I bring to you, first on the ballot, UFC striking coach, Eddie Baracco. Alternate Take fans, what is up? It's good to have you guys back, man. Today we brought you guys the baddest fucking striking coach in the game, Eddie Baracco. How's it going, sir? Good, brother. How's everything with you? It's good, man. Can't complain, dude. I'm on a little vacation right now, so I'm drinking beers on a Thursday. And, nice. Uh, it's beautiful, man. I can't complain to you, man. It's beautiful. What about you? Oh, uh, everything's good, man. Good Thursday. Good week. Hell yeah, man. Well, let's uh let's start from the beginning, man. Um, uh, we've interviewed a few guys from Extreme Couture already. We've got Eric Nixick, good friend of mine now, Dewey Cooper. Um, we're running through the whole goddamn gym, dude. And um, we had to interview you next, dude. We've heard too much about you. But uh to get to know Eddie Baraka, we gotta start from the beginning, brother. So tell me the beginning, man. Let's start from your childhood and all that stuff, bro. Um, you know, I was, uh, originally from Northern Nevada up at Lake Tahoe, Carson city area, but I moved to Las Vegas when I was super young. I grew up in Las Vegas. Um, uh, come from a traditional Italian family, uh, had all those great Italian holidays with, uh, tons of food and everybody loud and yelling and talking with their hands. So, um, <laughs> I, I had a great childhood, uh, played sports my whole life and, um, you know, got into martial arts and fighting sports at a young age. Um, my uncle, Steve Kissel, who uh, had a Taekwondo schools, re you know, really got me involved in it. And he had a friend that opened a gym here in town, really one of the first mixed martial arts gyms in Vegas, long before all of the, the big gyms that we know of existed. Uh, it was still separated then, you know, so they hired you know, guys from Cobra Kai to do the jiu-jitsu and one kick Nick to run the Muay Thai program and um, a boxing coach from Johnny Tokos to come in and do the boxing and, you know, just kind of bounce around, but it was under one roof. And, uh, you know, got a job there as management and would train every day and slowly coaches would, you know, take notice and want me to work with them and, you know, went on to have a, a good, good career. You know, uh, a lot of injuries early on and mostly in training, but uh, it was one of those things where early on I had to make a choice whether I was going to continue with that. And, you know, back then you're not making any money. You know, nobody even knew what, what Muay Thai was as far as fighting professionally in that. And uh, 
you know, you, you'd go overseas to make any kind of real money, but it wouldn't bring any sponsorships back here in the state. So, you know, it was more about thinking long-term and, and wanting to be the active dad with my kids and not wanting to be too banged up to not be able to do that. So I made a transition to coaching you know, real early on and, uh, you know, it ended up paying off for me and I was able to do that well. So I'm grateful to be able to continue to, to do the sport that I love and, you know, be around all, all the, the fights and the fighting sports and in the gym still and mix it up. So, uh, you know, yeah, real grateful for that. You know, it's interesting, man. I see a lot of the guys who are at the top of their game coaching wise, a lot of them have that same past, like the injury history, you know, like they were super talented at a young age, kind of had like that goat aspect to them. Like, man, this kid could be something, but they just keep getting hurt, man. I have a friend of mine like that in football. Now he's one of the best coaches out there. And uh, you see that, man. It's a it's a tough decision to make that early, dude. Because like, I mean, it's a sport you love. Is I mean, translating that competitiveness into you know the field, baseball field, football field, the ring, the octagon, into coaching is tough. I would imagine. I would imagine that like when you're an athlete, you're kind of like I wouldn't say selfish, but I mean, it's all about you. You know, everything you do is training about you. And then now you got to switch that and train it all about somebody else, man. That's that's pretty tough. How'd that transition go for you? Uh, you know. I missed a lot of the things, you know, stuff like, um, like you said, when you're a fighter, the world revolves around you. Uh, when you're a coach, the world revolves around all of those fighters. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I missed getting the attention and the, the pad work and the work with the coaches. You know, I missed being able to compete and push myself and test myself. Um, I didn't really miss the, the weight cuts. I didn't miss the pressure, the stresses and all that stuff. So, you know, it's like anything, it's goods and bads to it. You know, really what matters is what you focus on. So I just focused on the, the present moment and what I could do and what I needed to do. Uh, and I just ran with that. Beautiful, man. When do you think you started getting notoriety as a coach when everyone started realizing, oh shit, this guy is really making a name for himself. Like he's starting to get Fighters are starting to trust him more. He's starting to be in more corners. I'm starting to see this guy on TV. Like, who the fuck is this guy? When did, when did that start happening for you? <clears throat> um, it's a relatively slow process in my mind. I think uh, when Robert Drysdale hired me at his gym to start running striking programs, and then uh, I helped him go on to win the legacy world title uh, back then, I, I think that was, you know, one of the turning points as far as, like you said, being able to be more accredited and people take notice that maybe what I was doing was legit. Um, and then, you know, really when I was there, Joseph Benavidez reached out because he was going to coach on the ultimate fighter show, tough 24. Uh, and I was local and he wanted me to you know, work the striking for the guys on the team. And I think that was the most pivotal moment as far as, you know, being credentialed and, and having somebody who was, you know, one of the best in the world, always you know and joseph benavidez who trusted me to do it and then you know people would look at that and go well well if joseph trusts him then obviously there's something there um you know and then season right after that working with cody garbrandt's team on tough 25 and then you know slowly making a transition over to extreme couture uh with robert fallis and then even after he passed away you know i think all that led to more exposure and people being able to to get around me and my system and how I coach and how I train guys and the commitment level that I do. Um, and I think that helped 
propel me to a spot in the sport to where, you know, it got me out there a little bit more. Yeah. It's funny how like all you need is that one, uh, very notable person to really give you a shot to just fucking fast forward everything, man. I, my, my buddy that coaches in college football, um, played under Mike Leach, very respected college football coach. And he gave him the nod to Deion Sanders. And then Deion Sanders hired him just because of based off that. They're like, well, if you say he's good, he's good. And then now yeah. you get a couple good games with Deion Sanders. Now everyone's like, who the fuck is this guy? So that's, it does play right. a huge role, man. Absolutely. Yeah. For me, it would be, you know, Joseph Benavidez for sure. If I had to pinpoint one person that, you know, helped propel me into that spot, you know, hands down. Hell yeah. I love that. Well, now you're Extreme Couture MMA, man. And you guys are an amazing gym, dude. I I went to visit like last week. I was hammered, you know, kind of like I am right now. No big deal. But, hey, Vegas will do that. Oh, man. It was a bachelor party. You got to have fun, man. You know, you have to. That's mandatory. <laughs> but, um, Tell me about what's going on at Extreme Couture now, man. I mean, you guys got killer fighters, man, from the top to the bottom, too. I mean, like, we were just at, you know, the fights over there at 279. We saw Rosa win. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, but it, he's not the only one, man. You guys are killing it. I see the Casey O'Neill's there, Francis Ngannou. Like, you guys are just, you guys are murdering it, man. Tell me about what's going on right there. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, one of the things we're blessed there is we have a, a stable of fighters uh, that uh, that are there, and they all make each other better. Uh, any given time and a practice with the professionals, there's so much knowledge in the room. You know, they really could take charge themselves if they wanted to and, and run it, you know? Um, yeah. Guys like the, the ones you mentioned, you know, the Cody Stamens, guys like that. It's, you know, we're real blessed to get to have those guys. It's like having a bunch of Ferraris in the gym and we just got to fine tune it and put the right gas in them. So. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's a fun thing it's fun to be around it's exciting it, you know um it, it's motivating you know it makes going to work every day there not feel like work and uh it's just a pleasure to to get to work with all the people that are in there we have so many you know i could never list them all so hell yeah man well tell me about the experience of 279 man that was that was a great fight to watch man i'll tell you what i was with like 10 12 dudes who know dick about fighting i was the only one who kind of knew a little bit and uh I was I was cheering my ass off for for Julian Juicy J. And was, yeah. Like, do you know this motherfucker? I was like, I don't know, man. I don't give a shit. He's extreme couture. So I'm let's go. Let's cheer it on, you know? So then I got 13 dudes like, fuck it, we're all cheering for Julian. And it, it was awesome, man. Yeah, it was, you know, it's one of those things. It's nice to see good things happen to good people. And uh, you know, Julian is a consummate professional in and out of the gym. He'll practice three times a day, and then in his words, go for a light jog through red rock canyon which is like 16 miles so the guy is an absolute thoroughbred as far as hard workers go you know and i'll leave town because i'm cornering somebody julian runs the practices for me he does the same thing over at casey halstead's gym 10th planet las vegas you know one of those guys it's like one of the heart and souls of the team um just a great example overall of what it means as far as determination and believing in yourself and, and sticking to, you know, a goal and a dream that you have. So, you know, it was great. You know, he was the underdog. Um, I think that partially, partially because, you know, bookies don't see him in the gym every day and they don't know what he's about. And they just look maybe at records or something. Um, in my mind, he was never the underdog, but it was awesome to see him evolve as a fighter, you know, fight long, this time uses distance. He looked fast, uh, absolutely controlled the striking aspect against the guy who 
was by all accounts was supposed to be the better striker and one of the best, you know, technical strikers in the in the division. He's on a seven fight win streak. Um, but you know, Julian's an animal. He he's a psycho. So, you know, when uh, his opponent missed weight, you know, Julian's words were, you know, oh, I got this. He, he he can't beat the scale. You know, he already lost. There's no way he could beat me. So uh it was great to see him go out there not only do really well striking but to utilize all aspects of the fight that was one of the the real you know key points for us going into this fight was yeah you're fighting a really good striker and a muay thai guy but he's fighting you in the, in the ufc in an mma fight so we're gonna make it an mma fight like do what you do but let's find our takedowns let's control him on the ground um let's tire him out on the cage and hang on him and and it was great. Yeah, it was it was great. I was super happy for him and uh, really impressed, even as a coach who sees him every day. You know, I was impressed to see him go out there and apply so much from the camp and so much from that we worked uh, into the fight. Because sometimes it's hard to translate it over. You know, you got another guy across the cage who trained to do the same thing to you. So, you know, it doesn't always go out that way. So, yeah, I've always found the aspect of uh, gamers interesting, like dudes who either are awesome at practice and can't relate it to the to real life or shitty at practice and just fucking when the game comes they're just superstars you know what i mean like it's hard to be successful from step to step the whole way through man absolutely yeah yeah and then uh, you got you got one night to shine one one night and 15 minutes you know so it's one of those things that's it mom spaghetti i was talking to fucking uh eric uh i was like hey dude i'm gonna be at the fight you know Uh, if i see you there you know if i don't whatever good luck you know He's like, I'm gonna be in Austin, dude. And I was like, oh, god damn. I was like, you're gonna miss the fight. He's like, don't worry, I'm not gonna miss it. I'll be he's like, I'll be cheering from somewhere, from like a bar yeah, or something like that. Absolutely. For sure. Very cool. Um, so tell me what's next for the fighters at Extreme Couture, man. Which fights are coming up next from all your guys? You got Aldermain, you got all kinds of guys, man. Yeah. Um, so we have a kid fighting this week, uh, David. Um, he's been training at the gym. He's looking real good. So I'm excited for him this weekend. Uh, Nicholas Mata, who is uh, Julian Arosa's main sparring partner for this camp, who helped him a lot. Uh, he really gave Julian a great look for his opponent. So we're excited for Nicholas to go out there and perform. Um, October 1st, uh, Jeremy Kennedy's fighting Aaron Piku uh, in Bellator. That's going to be a good fight. You know, both of those guys are gamers and, and Piku has a phenomenal coach, you know, and Coach Gibson. So it's always nice to go out there and test the masterminds on both sides and so he's able to get it done so yeah always always a lot of stuff going on and sometimes it's hard to keep track of everybody <laughs> you know yeah absolutely i'll be at that fight um uh pico's a whittier kid like me so we'll be at that one that's in uh long beach i believe but i'm, yep. stoked. I'm stoked for that man i want to ask- out there hell yeah bro I-, I wanted to ask you too man um you know you're such in a comfortable level teaching professionals how to strike now um, but I wanted to like touch a little bit on like how you go about teaching amateurs, you know, people that are just trying to get in there just for a workout, you know, or people that have always been interested and they kind of show up and, um, and they're as raw as it gets, man, but they're just trying to get some sort of like, uh, instruction, especially from someone as, you know, noticed yourself. So what would you, what kind of like advice would you give to people coming in, you know, to like a gym, you know, that want to learn how to strike, that want to learn how to punch correctly and want to learn to kick, you know, like very basic things that, you know, they can want them to come back, especially. Yeah, I mean, you know, as far as somebody who's like brand, brand new, I would say just stick to it. Give it some time, you know, uh, allow all that you're learning to actually be able to to stick. 
and to be able to feel comfortable at what you're doing. It's like anything, right? When you're, especially something physical, it's those reps, it's doing it over and over before it stops feeling awkward and starts feeling natural. So the main thing is like find some stuff that you really enjoy in the gym and stick to it. Uh, you know, don't give up on yourself if you feel uncomfortable, if you have those bad days and, you know, at the end of the day, like you're not going to always want to go. So, you know, that's where discipline and dedication is going to have to kick in and, uh, you're going to have to still go and all that's going to pay off. Right. It's like, uh, a book I read, it's called the compound effect. Right. So it's like when you do things consistently over time, it's exponential value that you'll gain from that. Right. So, you know, it's like one times one is one, one times two is two, two times three is six. Right. And that just keeps growing exponentially. And and each day you stick with it, that number multiplies a lot more. Right. But, you know, 39 times zero is zero. So when you miss out, you know, you, you kind of zero yourself back out or you miss out on multiple days. So, you know, fighting sports is like, you know, just like combatives, like shooting is one of those things. It's a use it or lose it kind of skill. So you have to stick with it and you have to stay on top of it. Um, you know, but find somewhere you feel comfortable, find some place that you want to be, find something that you enjoy and and really just stick to it. You know, that's, that's the main thing. And, and there's amateurs in, in the gym that come to the pro practice or my pro practice. And obviously they're not, you know, brand, brand new amateurs. These are guys with some, some experience, you know, might be on the brink of turning pro. Um, and, you know, with practices, they, they don't necessarily get babied. We're not, we're not super slow breaking down every single thing, you know, so it's, it's kind of a sink or swim sometimes. So sometimes you get guys that come in and, you know, it's, it's all new or call outs are new or combinations are new, or it's not something they're used to doing, you know, and they don't stick to it and they're not going to get that benefit from it, but you see it directly in the ones that do, uh, being able to translate it over to their training, their sparring, and then their fights. Yeah, I think it's better when we um it's sink or swim anyway. It's not like it's not like fucking Notre Dame was easy on Rudy when he came to practice. You know what I'm saying? Like you Exactly. You're not a jerk, you're not a bully, but it's like, hey, this is how we do things. And you know, if you want it bad enough, you know, you can show up and you can be a part of it. And uh I'll tell you what, I'm trying to plan a move out there, like Henderson, Summerlin, Vegas area, um nice. the next year. So um if I do, man, you'll see me in the gym, dude. I'm embarrassed myself. I don't give a fuck. But I'll be out there, man, throwing some hooks and shit. It'll be a good time. That'd be great, dude. It'd be great to have you in there. Yeah, Coach Nixick and myself, we, we have this, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily a saying, but something that we say to each other and to the other coaches, even the guys in the gym, it's like, we expect to set a high, high standard. And you're either going to rise to the level of that standard that we expect, or you're going to find your, your way out, you know, on your own. So we, we expect that high standard to be met. We expect that dedication, that drive. You know, Julian was training on Tuesday at Casey Halstead's gym doing some jujitsu. He hit pads with me yesterday, you know, because his body was, you know, relatively unscathed, if you will, as much as it could be being in a 15-minute fight, you know. And, and that's what we expect because at the end of the day, it's not just about them. They, they have teammates that need work and need help, and they're right back into the gym and helping everybody else out and helping them get better. So it's an inspiration to everybody, you know? Yeah. That high standard, man, that, that shit comes from, I believe that comes from your childhood, man. Like you were raised that way, especially in an Italian home. 
They, they don't fuck yeah. with you, man. You have a bad batch yeah. of sauce or some shit. You fucking ruin everyone's dinner. You know, right. You, like you hear the wooden spoon start rattling, you know, if you if you mess up too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have like a lot of brothers and sisters? You have a big family? Um, we had a, a large family for the, the older generations. Um, a lot of them or some of them, I should say, didn't have children or have one one child. And uh, slowly that kind of that large family that I was used to got smaller and smaller. Um, I have a, a brother, my mom, my stepdad's son. Uh, he were about 15 years apart. And, um, you know, so he he grew up playing baseball, played baseball, full ride to Pepperdine, just, you know, got a master's in, in business, just did everything right. So uh, we have a great relationship despite the age gap. Um, so our, our my immediate family is really close. And uh, we still do things like, you know, pasta night on Tuesday, we meet over at, at my parents' house and do that. And, you know, so we care, we carry the traditions on a lot of the older generations, you know, they're either gone now or they've moved to other places and we kind of spread back out again. But for a while there, um, because my grandmother on my mom's side, she had, uh, six sisters and, you know, so they, like everybody had moved to Las Vegas at one point. So it was nice. I got to experience that, you know, my, my younger brother, he, he was younger, you know, he was real young at that time. So you know, he didn't get that growing up, but he had that for a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, family's real close. It's what you would expect from a, a full-blooded Italian family. That's beautiful, man. I remember we uh we interviewed uh Mike Ruzioni. You know, obviously the captain of the Miracle Team, and right. uh, it's funny talking about his you know Italian experience coming from like you know Massachusetts and shit. You know, he's the only one on the ice, and it's it was, it's just awesome, man. It's like an iconic thing. Who hasn't seen the Bronx Tale? And it's like, man, I don't. I want a dad like that. It's a fucking hard ass, you know? Driving right. Shit. Great movie. Yeah. I remember my grandfather, uh, my mom's dad, who my son is named after, uh, sitting me down and giving me a VHS tape of a Bronx tale and being like, put this in and watch this. This is how I grew up, you know? <laughs> so that's uh, hands down. That's my favorite movie for sure. I love it, man. Well, um, dude, one thing I wanted to touch on too, man, I swear to God, this is the straight up truth, man. You have the, one of the best social medias out there, man, in the game, dude. Every time you post some shit, I'm like, mm, I'm throwing up an American flag. I'm all happy. Oh I'm yeah, happy, man. I'm tell you what, man, you have, you post some good shit. I'll tell you that. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, a lot of military in my family, uh, a lot of law enforcement in my family. So I'm very patriotic. Um, you know, when, when our family, you know, back then when you, when you immigrated to this country, like they picked up American flags. They joined the military. They wanted to be American. You know, they didn't lose their traditions. They didn't lose their culture, you know, but, but they, they wanted to be a part of this country. Um, and so, you know, that has continued to carry on in my family. And, uh, you know, it's something that's important to me. I believe that, you know, you, you don't have to like separate, like being proud of your country and where you are and where you're from and being patriotic and and like that doesn't automatically mean you're like excluding certain people you know i i believe that you know it could be one and the same so yeah i know i couldn't agree more man i'm telling you man every time i see a post i fucking love it man i'm the same thing i'm a mexican i'm a mexican kid man and uh you know i i love everything about my culture it's great man but i don't want to fucking live in mexico you can't pay me to live over there man i'll I like to have a nice little condo in Cancun and shit. <laughs> Cancun, yeah, yeah, Cancun right, ain't real right. Mexico. You know what I'm saying? That's, um, but, you know, I, I agree with you completely, man. I'm super proud of where I come from, man. And, uh, 
you know, cheers to all your family that's in law enforcement and, you know, in military, man. Tell them I said thanks, dude, because, you know, that's why we're here, man. That's why we're here. That's why we had the opportunity to do what we have to do. I mean, 9-11 just passed, you know, salute to all everyone. Right. I went through that. Yep. And, uh, I appreciate it, man. Well, dude, uh, I'm excited that you came on, man. I know we've been talking about this for a while. And uh, I know you're a busy, man, dude. So uh, anything else you got left? No worries. Anything else you got to promote or something like that? No, I, uh, nothing to promote. I appreciate you having me on, you know, whenever uh, whenever you want to talk. I'm always here. I love it, man. You got your uh, Instagram. You got your social medias or anything like that? Yeah, I got Instagram. It's uh, my name's Eddie underscore Baracco at, uh, for the Instagram. So. I love it. That's man. pretty Thanks. much the only one I use. You know, it kind of automatically posts over to Facebook. Um, I have a hard enough time keeping up with one, let alone all of them. So, <laughs> hell yeah, man. Well, thanks a lot for coming on, man. Like I said, you're one of the most admired striking coaches in the game, man. And it's uh, it's gonna be fun to follow the rest of your career, man. I mean, I, I only appreciate see the best that. things going on forward. Absolutely, it means a lot. I appreciate it. Hell yeah, man. Well, take care. Tell the family I say hello, all right, buddy. I will. Likewise, brother. All right, this has been Alternate Take. We'll see you guys later. Peace. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen, our interview with the UFC striking coach, Eddie Baracco. Thanks for joining the show, Eddie. I appreciate you, man. I'll see you October 1st for Aaron Pico and Jeremy Kennedy's fight, dude. So until then, keep them Italian roots in check, motherfucker. Don't fuck up the sauce. Our next interview is with UFC fighter Matt Steamroller Fravola. And it was an awesome time, dude. We're talking about the kid from Huntington, New York, dude. And I was just there recently. Like, well, not fucking recently. Like, two years ago. But it feels like I was just there, man. And it was great talking to him about his hometown and everything that he had to say, man. I don't even want to fucking ruin the interview, man. Just stand by to stand by. So, without further ado, I bring to you Matt Steamrola Fravola. Alternate Take fans, what is up? We are back today, and we brought you guys the UFC fighter, Matt, the Steamroller Frivola. What's up, man? What's up, bro? How you doing? Good, dude. You got back over there in Long Island or what? Yeah, I'm back home, Strong Island, you know, training hard. Had a great week of training. Now just chilling, watching the Mets. Hell yeah, man. I saw you at the Mets game the other day with fucking Karate Kid and shit. I love it. Yeah, it was nuts, bro. Uh, the Mets hooked me up with like four tickets and and a field pass to like watch uh, batting practice. And then I started chopping it up with uh, Alex Cohen, who's uh, the owner, Steve Cohen's wife. And then uh, they ended up inviting us up to the Cohen suite. And uh, got, as soon as I walk up in there, I see Danielson, Ralph <laughs> chilling. And I got to watch the whole game, chilling with uh, with Ralph, who was super cool, and uh, got to go and uh, meet uh, Steve Cohen, the best owner in baseball. Dude, that's epic, man! Jesus Christ! I mean, I mean, I'm a huge Karate Kid fan, no matter what, and Cobra Kai, but um, I'm a guitar dude, man. And he has this movie called Crossroads. I don't know if you ever seen, if you've never seen Crossroads, if you're a Ralph Macho fan, you've never seen Crossroads. You got to fucking put two hours away, even get high if that's your thing, and watch it. It's one of the best fucking movies out there. But um, that's crazy. I would have definitely lost a little bit if I hung out with Ralph Macchio. That's for sure. Oh, so cool. That's crazy, man. Well, good, dude. Well, let's start from the beginning, man. Let's talk about um, you know, your upbringing and all that stuff and where you grew up, man. Yeah, I grew up Huntington, New York, Long Island. Uh, you know, I got a, a twin brother. Uh, we we grew up uh, playing all sports. You know, we were playing baseball growing up. Uh, we played football together, um, and I wrestled. He didn't wrestle. He tried to wrestle, but 
then he got he got kneed in the balls and pissed blood and that, that was the end of his wrestling career um but we we've, we've always you know been competitive and uh and you know playing sports and and you know born athletes um and then uh you know eventually after i was done in high school you know i was a good i was a good high school wrestler but I was never like a state champ or anything or never got any like college wrestling offers or anything. Um, I loved football, you know, football was my, was my real love. And, uh, I ended up playing a little, uh, junior college football. And, uh, once I realized that I wasn't going to the NFL, <laughs> uh, I, I found Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you know, cause I missed wrestling and, uh, I was actually, I was in uh, college and and I was messing around with one of my buddies in the dorm rooms and I was like, you know, a tough guy, football player, you know, wrestled in high school and he was this like little skinny kid and uh, I go to like double leg him and he puts me in a guillotine choke and puts me to sleep. <laughs> I, remember, I remember waking up and like looking at him like being like, what did you just do to me? And like I was, I was just... I went to, and then I started uh, going to Matt Sarah's uh, Sarah BJJ, and you know the rest is history. That's crazy, man. So how long have you been fighting, um, in general, like you know since your amateur and pro career? Uh, I've been fighting for over ten years now. I had my my first fight when I was twenty one, and uh, and yeah, ten years later we're we're about to fight at Madison Square Garden. You know the mecca. It's it's been a wild ride. God damn, man. That's freaking crazy, dude. I've been to Huntington, New York. I was there about like two years ago. Uh, I went to New York just to bullshit, man. Just to have a good time going on vacation by myself. And my buddy, I hadn't talked to him in years. And he was like, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm working at some bank like in like in a small town, though. You probably don't know. It's like in, it's like in Long Island somewhere. It's called Huntington, New York. I was like, yeah, I, don't, I never heard of it. But I was like, let's go. So I went down there. I remember, dude, it's a fucking, it's a cool little town, man. He was, he was living on this farm. It was bananas. Like this, they train like horses there or some shit. Um, but super rich area, crazy houses, man. It's a good little city, man. They got some good food down there. Yeah, man. It's, it's nice. It's nice out here, especially in the summertime. Absolutely, brother. Well, um, dude, I was at your last fight. I was at a UC 270. I was staying over there uh, in Anaheim at the time. And man, that shit was fucking awesome, man. Uh, tell me about your experience leading up to that, dude. Um, I, I know it put, I put your name on the map for me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm an average UFC fan in terms of like I watch what I can. You know, I'm busy like everybody else. But um, man, dude, when I was there, I was like, that motherfucker's crazy. Like you, you went all in. I mean, you think you knocked him down six times or something like that? Um, yeah. But tell me about the experience about the whole fight, man. Yeah, man, that, that was a huge fight for me. Uh, that was uh, the last fight on my UFC deal, um, and uh, it was coming off, you know, probably my worst fight. Uh, you know, I, I was on a two-fight losing streak. Uh, before that fight and it was the last fight of my deal you know i knew it was uh it was do or die for me in the ufc uh but you know i didn't let it affect me at all all camp you know i knew i knew i recognized what it was but you know every every next fight is always the biggest fight and and i worked my ass off i had a great great training camp and uh and then i, I walked in there and uh and we handled business you know i was i was fighting another undefeated fighter a real tough uh 10 and 0 guy and you know i knew he was good you know and and uh but i knew you know i had to go in there and uh and handle business and uh, and keep this dream alive and uh we went out there and 
you know, I had probably my best performance uh, of my career, you know, after coming off of my worst performance, which was real big for me, uh, you know, because I, I tell all these guys, you know, the losses don't define you. Um, you know, you, you're always, you can always tell, you know, who you are as a person when you're coming back from a setback. And uh, it was a big setback, the last, you know, the fight, the loss. And, uh, you know, I couldn't, I, I couldn't go out like that. I had to, you know, believe in myself and and uh, and believe in my preparation and uh, go out there and get it done. So uh, that was a, a huge win for me. Oh man, I I couldn't agree more, man. I mean, fuck, it, it was it was electric, man. I remember your post interview is what I was most like psyched about, man, because that's that I always said it gives like a lot of intel into you know who you're dealing with, what kind of like as a fan, you're like okay, I like the way that guy's fight. You know that guy fought. He was an animal, man. But like, let's see what he has to say now, <clears throat> and um. Your interview was the shit, man. I really respected it because um, you gave respect to your fighter that you fought first. You know, he's like a hard Mexican fighter, undefeated. You know, you didn't take anything away from him. You know, he's a great fighter. And uh, <laughs> I think you said, Joe, you're the man. <laughs> like the first thing you said when you saw Joe. I was like, I love that, man. It's very cool. Hey, Joe Rogan is the man, you know, St. Rogue's all day. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, always, I always look forward to uh, having a nice chat with, uh, with uh, Rogan and the Octagon. So... I usually start out something with like, Joe, you're the man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he is, man. He's the king of podcasting, man. That's that's this deal, man. And fucking so many other things. Jesus Christ. Well, good, man. I mean, um, what's what's next for you, man? Tell me what's next, cause I tell you what, I'm super excited to see you fight again, man. Yeah, man. We got a we got a big one coming. Uh, I'm fighting uh, November twelfth at Madison Square Garden. And you know, for for a kid from Long Island, it doesn't get bigger than MSG. Uh, so, you know, I'm about eight weeks out now, so I'm starting to, starting to really turn up the training and, uh, I'm fighting another undefeated fighter. Um, uh, uh but this guy, this guy I'm fighting, uh, Atman Zaitar, he's undefeated, uh, but he really hasn't been tested. You know, he hasn't fought anyone like me. Um, and, and this guy, this guy needs to be humbled. And, uh, that's what I plan on doing to him, you know, giving him a nice, Nice uh, piece of humble pie. Hell yeah, man. Well, dude, November, that's, that gives me time, man, because I'm, I'm trying to get out in New York in the wintertime, man. It's always a good time for me. So maybe maybe I'll make that part of my trip, you know, go see you fight and fuck it up, dude. Yeah, man. It's, the card's looking great, too. You know, you got Stylebender in the main event. Uh, you got uh, Wei Li Zhang is fighting on the card. Uh, Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty stacked card. Jesus, that is that. You know, I've I've never been to MSG, man. I I got into hockey like years ago, like randomly, just because my brother was like, "Come on, something a pussy." I was like, "All right, whatever." And you got to pick teams, and I and I and I took like two weeks. I'm like, "This is gonna be a serious fucking decision. If I'm gonna pick a team, man, I'm gonna mess around and pick some team that I don't like." And I've been a basically I've been a Rangers fan the last three four years, full time, full fledged. So I need a reason to be out in MSG, man. Absolutely. Yeah, there you go. You know, Rangers play there. I'm I'm an Islanders guy myself, but. uh you know, MSG, most famous arena in the world. Yeah, oh. you got to there. Absolutely, man. Um, well, dude, I I read a lot too that um that you're actually in the reserves in in the military. Yeah, I'm, I'm out now. Uh, but I did eight years in the army reserves. I was uh, military police. Um, yeah, and it was it was great experience, and I think that's it's really uh what what for, forged me into the warrior I am today. You know. Wow, man. Yeah, I was going to say, dude, like that's 
that's incredible, brother, because that's, first of all, it's very difficult. And thank you for your service, you know, obviously for that. But um, I was going to ask, yeah, how much has that shaped you into like you being the fighter that you think you are, man? Because, you know, some motherfuckers are just born crazy and they just love to fight, man. It is what it is. And they can be like external crazy. Maybe they talk a lot of shit or they're nuts or they're just internally like they don't even talk that much. They just love to fight. But to learn how to be a disciplined warrior, you know, and go to war, um, even if you don't go to war, but just like the mentality to train, like I'm, I could go to war at any time. Um, translating that into the octagon, I would imagine would be a smoother transition than somebody who has nothing to do with that whatsoever. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure, man. And, you know, I, I learned a lot of great stuff in the army and uh, it, it, you know, shaped me to who I am today. And, uh, you know, I'm lucky that I'm still able to uh, go out there and, and let out that warrior spirit, you know, in the octagon. Do you have any crazy or funny, like, military stories, some full metal jacket shit, you know, bars of soap and a, and a fucking pillow bag or anything like that? <laughs> uh, you know, I got a few, but, you know, I, I actually, I got to go and train at West Point for one summer uh, and train with all the West Point cadets. And uh, they did, like, a combatives tournament there. And um, I and I was, uh, I, I didn't go to West Point. I was uh, uh, ROTC uh, when I was in college. And uh, so they, all the West Pointers kind of looked at the ROTC guys like we were kind of like, you know, like the the, the castaways kind of. Um, and I got into that tournament and I just started fucking everyone up. <laughs> and uh, and all, all those West Pointers definitely respected me a lot after that. So that, that was a cool, cool part. It's funny, man. We've talked to a lot of people here that are like military or law enforcement or stuff like that. And there's always like a little sub you know, subgroups in, in their, whatever their your group, like, ah, oh, guy works at that station, fuck him. And you're like, so they're yeah. all like the same friends. Like if things came down to it, they don't have each other's back no matter what, but they're also like, fuck that guy. You're like, do you know? Well, but you know, he works over there though. Fuck him. You know, it's so, it's yeah. funny, man. At the end of the day, we're all on the same team, baby. Exactly, man. Exactly. Well, dude, man, I'm, I know you're uh, short on time and fuck, so am I about to take off on a flight here to, uh, to Mississippi, get out there and, well, they have no fucking water and shit. I don't even know why I'm going on this trip. But, um, you know, it, it was a great time having you on, man. And I'm looking forward to your next fight, dude. Absolutely. I'll definitely be there, man. Now I'm planning the trip. Fuck it. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. We got to get you a Team Steam shirt. I'll, I'll hook you up with the Team Rollers. You seem like a cool dude. I think you'll fit right in. You know, these, these Long Island guys like to party, you know. And uh, you get to watch me throw down. And uh, we'll have a good time at the after party. Hell yeah, man. I'm stoked about it. Um, what's your what's your plug? Do you have like a merch line? Do you have your social media? Do you have anything like that? So that way the fans can go, you know, buy your shit or whatever. Yeah, get me get me on Instagram, uh steamroller frivola underscore MMA. And then uh Twitter. I'm I'm making a big uh Twitter push right now. Uh get me on Twitter, steamroller. And uh and then uh I got the my shirts, my fight shirts on sale uh on uh millions. Uh, if you, you search on millions, you can get a, a pretty sweet uh, Team Steam shirt. And uh, yeah, I appreciate the support, man, from everyone. It's uh, it's really humbling, you know, seeing how many people care about you know watching me fight. And uh, and you know, I'm in the end of the day, I'm just a fucking regular dude who just worked his ass off, and uh, and I could get in there and uh, and throw down with the best fighters in the world. So it's it's pretty cool. Absolutely. Alternate take fans. How can you not get behind that, man? You got a fucking veteran and you got a guy who's going to fucking go give you the best fight to watch, man. I love it, dude. Thanks again for stopping in. Thanks, bro.
Good oh, yeah. talk. This is Alton Take. See you guys later. Peace. Peace. <laughs> and there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Our interview with UFC fighter Matt Steamroller Fravola. Thanks again, man, for stopping in. I really do appreciate it, dude. We'll be at your next fight, and we'll definitely be at the after party after you get that W, man, taking shots, celebrating victories. I love it. Um, like I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, this was a two-part interview, mostly due to time constraints. And you know what? It worked out fucking great. It was actually a really cool thing. I might even consider doing it again. Um, but thanks all you guys for tuning in and listening, man. I really do appreciate it. I put all of Eddie Baracco and Matt Favola's links in the podcast description, including the merch line. So go out and check that shit out. Um, but thanks again, man. I really do appreciate it. This has been Alternate Take. I am your host, Danny Rodriguez, and I'll see you guys next week. Peace.